The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke. Uh, with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. And this week's episode, we're doing top five movies based on a true story um, in honor of Tom Cruise's new film, American Made. Have you guys seen the trailer for American Made? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. That, I couldn't recall, and I forgot that that's coming out. But yes, I've seen the trailer. Corey? What are you talking about? We lived, we lived in the nexus of where some <laughs> that was happening. Oh, really? What? Well, not Columbia, but yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Miami. Have you seen the trailer, Corey? Do you know what it is? I I feel like I've seen some of it. It's Donald Gleason, like... a CIA agent, and hires Tom Cruise, who's a pilot, to uh, do reconnaissance missions. But ultimately, he ends up uh, creating a drug cartel. Um, oh. With the premise being that we we made the drug cartels, which is you yep. know. Interesting, and it's based we made on a true the story. war of dr- war on drugs. Yeah, so it's that story. It looks it looks really entertaining, um, and it comes out this it's, Friday. It, it sounds like Corey actually didn't see it because you caught her off guard. I felt like I are they still playing it in the theaters? Because I feel like I saw some of it yesterday. The trailer, yeah, I'm sure oh. they are. Yeah. Okay, but I got there like right before the movie started. So what movie did they you probably... see? <laughs> you know. Not the last human. You saw ever it. To not see it. Yeah. Okay. Mike still hasn't seen it. So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. It was, it was probably prefaced by. Um, remember that mother movie Trump Cruise was in? This one's better. Yeah, yeah it's not the Mummy. Um, but it, I, I hope it's better. It's not. That remains to be seen. Um, I will. I will be seeing it this weekend at some point. At least I hope to. Um, I'm planning on seeing. Uh, the other movie that I can't think of. Oh, Flatliners comes out this weekend as well. Oh, I saw that trailer and it, mm-hmm. I'm. Mm. I know, but I'm still gonna I, see it. Now I tried watching the original again and I fell asleep. So oh. if that's any indication. Well, actually, um, Corey and I watched it for Movie Club last week and both enjoyed it. Um, and it was, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. And um, we uh, also. Um, I got an opportunity, and I don't know if I'm going to get to partake on. I'm supposed to be going to a critic screening for A24's uh, Florida Project on Thursday oh. night. I, I really, really want to go. And, Mike, uh, if you're available, you're welcome to come with me. I know it's a school night, but um, I don't know if I'm going to. Uh, you must have read my mind because CBS Sunday Morning did a quick spotlight, and I didn't get a chance to fully watch Tangerine, and this is his follow-up to that. Sean Baker. Yeah, yeah, I know. I still haven't seen Tangerine, but I know I know a lot about how he made it, and it's it's something I like mm-hmm. to tell my students because they, like, I don't like to tell them you know exactly what the content is, but I do like to talk about that he used three iPhone five five S's yep. to film it, and Whoa. um that you know it does you're not limited by your equipment, you're limited by your creativity, you know, and yeah, definitely. Uh, I Will, Willem Dafoe and the child actor in this film is getting praised high. He's yeah, and I really really want to go. But where where I'm kind of on the uh, question at the moment is I have the homecoming parade on Thursday, 
which normally not a big uh. deal. I don't have to attend, but I'm right now I'm supposed to be driving for uh, my yearbook representatives. So if that doesn't change, I have that prior commitment. I am trying to find a situation yeah. that will allow me to go, but um, you know, I have to play it by ear. I, I would figure you're going to be driving. I don't think I will have to. Um, mainly because of the one of my reps is uh, their parent is also a teacher, um, and I feel like the, I, I feel like there could be plans in the work that I'm not even aware of yet. I'm waiting to hear back from one of them, um, so I'm hoping that it works out in my favor because I really really want to go. And again, if you if you're willing to risk it, you're definitely welcome to come with me. Uh, we'll talk off mic, of course, and work that out detail wise. But um, I really want to see the movie, and I know it's not going to come local. Uh, it will come to Orlando. Um, it might come to Lakeland, but I, I'm that's one I'm definitely going to drive out and see though because I'm really excited about it. The trailer I've only seen the trailer once, but I was really pumped by the trailer. So, and it's a twenty four. Right, and they've they've been very no, very I would say they're they're on on a roll. Yeah, this one looks to continue that. Yeah, I really I hope so because I it looks great and again the the buzz is very positive so um, I'm hoping I get to attend and if not then I will be going to see uh, either Flatliners or American Made that Thursday and continuing over the weekend. Um, but uh, speaking, go ahead. I have to interject here not about this movie but about A24. I finally saw the trailer for The Disaster Artist. Oh. I've never seen <laughs> The Room or. Is it room or the room? It's, it's the, the room. room. <laughs> but it looks, the disaster artist looks hilarious. <laughs> now, Mike and I went and saw uh, Rift Tracks do the room um, about two years ago, I think. And Was it that long ago? I, it was either, if it wasn't two, it was still early last summer, but I feel like it was two. <laughs> it, it, just, it just felt that long ago because yeah. it was coming. Does so. he we, we saw, really talk like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not uh, exactly. Uh, Franco's oh, is... Hi. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, you should. There is oh, God. the best way to to get to like some of it is uh, on YouTube. Cinem- I, I don't usually recommend Cinema Sins. Normally, um, in fact, I was a fan. As I've gotten more attuned with film, I have found it to be very kind of immature, almost like putting a picture of somebody and then making fun of them online. That's kind of the the what they do, um, even though it's kind of in jest. Um, while he's doing that to the room. He doesn't do as much commentary as he normally does because the room kind of speaks for itself with its silliness. So it's an easy way to kind of see a lot of the ridiculous moments of the room um, quickly on YouTube. That's why I'm recommending it. I'm not recommending CinemaSins. I'm recommending that since you've never seen the room, you can watch 20 minutes or so of it. Um, and again, kind of the highlights of the bad moments um, from the CinemaSins perspective. And it, he doesn't do nearly as much commentary as he usually does because it's the room and it's not necessary. Um, and Mike and I saw the Riff Tracks version of it, which, um, it, you know, it's bad. It is considered to be the Citizen Kane of bad movies. It is the the, the perfect bad film as the dialogue's awful, the premise is ridiculous. Um, there are some very creepy moments where you're just like, why is he doing what he's doing right now? And then... Uh, the most iconic scene is him. I did not hit her. I did not. I did not hit her. She's a liar. Oh, hi, Mark. It's it, oh, it's so so bad. Um, but and uh, and the the needless football playing in the movie is also pretty great. Um, but great, great to laugh at. I don't think um, that word. I you know that word means what you think it means. It's like when I sent a picture of Jar Jar Binks' 3D experience adventure game 
that I happened to find at a flea market type thing yesterday and the word great was used to describe it, it's not necessarily meaning that it is great. It's great that it exists because holy crap, why does it exist? You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, but going back to our top five this week, we're doing uh, movies based on true stories. And it's it's such an interesting list to me because there's so many different ways we could approach this we didn't again we've gotten more relaxed about defining the list i think it's more fun for us to kind of interpret the list idea on our own and then see what we come up with and um you know tons of movies have been uh advertised as being based on a true story and i made quote fingers even though you can't see them um like I remember specifically when they did the Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre remake in the early 2000s with Jessica Biel that they marketed it as based on a true story, even though it was a remake of a movie that had never been trumpeted as such because it's not based on a true story. I mean, you could – and the argument why they're legally allowed to say it is it's based on several different different serial killers and kind of composited yeah. to you know Leatherface. And – I don't know if you guys remember when The Strangers was coming out and they were mm. all based on a true story, based on a true story. And I tried to look for, you know, information on that true story and I wasn't ever able. <gasps> I have my own fairy music. Um, I was never able to find any information on that. And also with based on a true story, you could say that about just almost anything. Mm-hmm. And that- that's. Like and so well, many uh, movies are very loose interpretations. Go ahead, Mike. Well, and I think M. Night Shyamalan uh, was in, got himself in trouble uh, with, with that. Do y'all remember when he did that sci-fi doc and then had to? No. Redact- yeah, where they um, made it like he he I forget if he drowned or if like he was had an out of body experience. It was a kind of a big deal, and then it was kind of. Hmm. Swept under the rug. But what movie was that for? I don't remember. Mm, was it for I Lady in the Water? I given the don't drowning think element. So although that, uh, although it would stands to reason, but that up. But that's the danger. But then on the uh, that's the, the... oh, Mike. I found just googling. Looks like with the village. Yes, maybe that one. So I've I've not heard of this M Night Shyamalan drowning thing. What's what's the deal? Well, I, okay, so I I did have a chance to look it up. Sci-fi finally had to admit this is from two thousand four. The the network. And it was the sci-fi before they switched to S Y F Y. Okay, F-Y. before they were Sifi. Uh, yes, <clears throat> yes, correct. And they you know they marketed this as an unauthorized documentary right before the village was coming out coming out and it ended up being a guerrilla marketing effort and you know they said it's it was a film oh i guess a three-hour film i don't remember that called the buried buried secret of m night child without m night's cooperation so as it turns out there was no buried secret it was just like the same as uh digging into al capone's vaults that there was nothing there and you know it was i think even going back further with the Blair Witch Project, you know, where in that case, the marketing did seem to work. And I think some people still believe that those three people are missing. Uh, yeah. So it, it's 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 a tricky line to to, 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 to tow because it could go either way. Uh-huh. But when it, when it fails, it fails badly. 
That's nuts. I'm yeah. reading about it here, and they were issuing blatantly false press releases and encouraging journalists to unwittingly write inaccurate articles about the purported documentary, and that's from an L.A. Times article. I don't know how I missed all this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't oh, remember it's... any of that. Oh, see, I, I saw I, the village like opening weekend. I'm pretty sure. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, me. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. See, what you didn't realize is that that guerrilla marketing campaign worked on you, and you didn't even know it. That is pretty crazy. Now, um, just getting into these true story ideas for our list this week, I found it really hard to find good. Like usually, I find a, a like a, a huge list of movies that are in the genre or the criteria that we're looking for. And while I found a few, um, I found lists with tons of mistakes, like movies that I know for a fact aren't based on a true story, like Slumdog Millionaire was on one of the lists. Uh, <laughs> and that, that is a movie that is, like, without a doubt, not a true story, but does feel like it's a true story. The way that it's presented feels like it's based on reality, but it, it's blatantly not. I've read, when I watched it for a movie club earlier this year, I, I did research because I was like, is this true or not? And it was immediately like, no, not at all. It's based on a novel, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. And but I can see why someone would be tricked by that movie, um, and then there are movies out there that I know, like I remember hearing it was based on a true story, but I could not find anything. Like the the movies aren't popping up in my head. I just like I know there's some movies from like that I used to watch as a kid that were based on true stories, but I can't find them on any of these lists to remind me of what they were. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe the punishment cave made you think you watched those movies. Oh, maybe. I feel like we keep referencing this punishment cave, and I don't really know enough about it. And I feel like I should be educated. I, it was a joke he made about I think the man room a few weeks ago, but I don't remember for sure. Oh, I thought you really got in trouble when you were a kid or something. Was like, oh, oh, is that fine. what it was? Was that? Oh yeah, it was the den. It was my grandma's den that he's referring no, to. No, that's not what it was. Okay, yeah, it's the punishment room. Um, <laughs> God, I feel so left out. Uh, I think you were there when it happened, Corey. It's just a joke he made about because I was talking. We had a a room in my grandma's house where she had a VCR, and that's where we watched movies. It was like a, I don't remember how I described it, but however I described it, he took it as a punishment room, um, or maybe it was because the movie that we had to watch. It takes the lotion and puts it in the basket, or it gets the hose again. <laughs> like, um, I have a I have a lot of movies, and I actually found it hard to pick which ones I want to include. And even now, while we've been talking, I've been debating on two other ones that I'm like, I'm 90% sure these are based on true stories. One I know for a fact, and I think I am going to move that one onto my list now. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I, I also noticed a, a pattern with my list in general that I tend to be uh, what the most recent films are more often on my list. And the reason um, with a lot of these is I haven't watched some of these in a long time, you know, like movies from like early nineties and stuff. I may not have watched since I was a kid. And so I don't feel like they're a favorite where like this other movie I'm, I have fonder memories of because I saw it more recently. So like when I'm making my list, I have a hard time like choosing the older movie versus the newer movie that I, I know I can talk about the newer movie. I've seen it more recently, so I can talk about it. Where like I may not remember all the details of this older movie, and I don't want to. Yeah, I liked it. That's all I have to say. So I, I do apologize, for listeners, that my my list tend to be predominantly newer films. Um, I do hope though that maybe you've never seen these because they're so new, and some of these are very indie that uh, maybe it'll push you into the direction of checking some of these out. 
pretty sure you have a partnership with the film industry. Yes, film I, I'm, I'm rolling something. in the dough. That's <laughs> without question. Um, I am going to uh, this. I'm going to go first this week because I think that's what I said last week. And I am. Uh, okay. I promise before next week's episode, I am going to make the uh, rotation list so that we stop guessing who's going first. <laughs> <laughs> Who goes? Who goes? If second? I never go first, that's fine. So it's but up to you guys. If you're what's on third? <laughs> if you're new to the podcast, um, at this point, uh, Corey, Mike, and I have made our list for our subject in secret, and we are going to reveal them to each other now, discuss them, um, and we have a few little rituals that we've done now. That one, Corey's going to tell you about spoilers. Dun dun dun! You can go to BerkReviews.com and check out our lists. So that we don't spoil these for you in case you haven't heard them. If you don't care, we'll steam ahead. But we'll probably talk about these movies in great detail. And Mike um, has a tendency to pick movies that Corey and I often haven't even heard of. And more often haven't seen. And um, we started to wager how many of Mike's movies on his list have we seen uh, in the past. Now, the wager means nothing. It's a, it's just a friendly bet. Um, although it should I, mean time in the we always low ball. <laughs> it, should, it should be time in the punishment cave. Although I believe next last week we mentioned maybe making a, a wager that will count, um, where the the one who has the least viewed movies for like a month will have to watch one of the movies that Mike picks, or something like that, um, which will will make more official uh, in the next month. But um, that's the gist of it. So with that in mind, these are movies based on true stories. I feel like this could go all over the place, so I have I'm not really feeling super confident that I've seen what you've seen, Mike. So I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Actually, Corey, I think I let you go first last week. Do, you Do what you want. All right. Well, I'm gonna pick. <laughs> I'm gonna pick. I've seen one of Mike's movies, so I'm gonna make Corey go big. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with two, and I love that we at one time I've chosen three, but it's always we're fighting over one or two, Mike. <laughs> I feel like. Yep. Sometimes I get yeah. confident, and I I yeah. I feel like just every time like I've I been... need to watch the go ahead. <laughs> just like I need to watch the newer movies, you all need to watch the older ones. Yep. And we are we're reaching out. That's why we watch Flatliners. Even though Corey is like, oh, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, my bad. Well, yeah, I haven't. And then she's like, well, I only saw it like once when I was a kid. I'm like, well, then why are you even? <laughs> you don't remember. Well, I saw it when I was a kid, but I forgot a lot oh, yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I even. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's hard I'm, to lie I'm, about I'm, my age when we talk about things like this. I was in, I was a mere infant <laughs> in 2012, and I don't know what changed. Um, I, uh, I'm not that young. <laughs> I slept like an infant during it. I paid a dollar to a fortune teller. You man. didn't like Flatliner. Like, were you just tired, or you just genu- genuinely weren't interested? I don't know, but I just couldn't be bothered, and I fell asleep. <sighs> man. So disappointed right now. You know, this is like when you give me a you know, <laughs> One time in I don't know how many. <laughs> well, I'm going to start our list, guys. So I'm going to give you my number five true story. And this one isn't picked because of the movie necessarily. Although I have to say I found the movie pretty entertaining. Um, it was more because I was so surprised to find out that it was based on a true story, especially because it's set in Florida. And I had never heard about it. And so while watching this movie and hearing claims that it was based on a true story, I started doing research and found out that, yes, in fact, it is based on this premise, which is a trio of bodybuilders in Florida get caught up in an extortion (laughs) ring and a kidnapping scheme that goes terribly wrong. 
Um, this is one of the few times where I'm having a Michael Bay directed film on my list. And I, I was pretty shocked when I found out it was Michael Bay and then less shocked when I looked at the cast. But Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Anthony Mackie, Tony Shalhoub, who is funny in this, Ed Harris, Rob Corddry, and I think that's the gist of the big ones. Oh, Rebel Wilson shows up in there. I forgot about that. Ken Jong's in it. Uh, mostly cameos from the rest of this point. Um, but I was so surprised that this movie with this ridiculous premise where these this guy's, you know, he's a like a trainer at a gym. And he, like, tricks some rich people into giving him information. And then they go to, like, rob it, and it goes bad, and they end up killing somebody. And it's it's crazy of a premise. And then it's like, it's a true story. I'm like, no, it's not. Sure enough, it is. And there's, like, it's not even one of those where it's, like, based on a loose, like, it's almost exactly what happened. And it happened, like, down in Miami, Florida. Um, while I was yeah. alive, and I was so surprised to hear about it, um, that when I, you know, while the movie, I think, again, it's just mediocre. It's not bad. It's got some funny moments. But the fact that it's true is remarkable. And thus, it's on my list. I debated. I almost included it on honorable mentions, but it did not make either that or my top five. And it's – the funny thing is, you know, how Facebook memories show up. And a still of that oh. came up and – very recently, within the last two days, and I remember my wife's comment because I had paused it right near the beginning. And it was the three guys, and I think they were in the midst of running, which I think they do a lot of in this. Yeah. And she said, oh, just let it play. It's not like it's Anna Karenina. And I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay. Um, she knows what she's getting into. It was it was so outrageous. It's like, how could it? It's, it's you know, truth is stranger than fiction is the saying, and yeah. This definitely falls into that. Yeah, it's it's surreal at points, and well, I thought you know Mark Wahlberg and The Rock were really funny. Um, there's some mm -hmm. really funny moments in the film, for sure. I mean, again, it's not a perfect movie, but it's 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 one I think people should see. And I, I also think uh, I would have never guessed this was based on a true story from the trailers, you mm -hmm. know. And I think no. I think people knowing that, like, just to hear the story alone is worth giving this movie a, a watch, you know. Um, there's definitely better movies that could have been on my list that I've seen, but I think again the the I was so shocked to find out it was based on a true story that I, I felt it has to be on here. I've never even heard of this movie. Uh, Pain and Gain, uh, 2013. I don't know uh, if I said that or not. So, uh, 45 okay. Metacritic. Apparently, we need to wager on your picks now too. Oh, <laughs> we're getting to the point. <laughs> I've seen so many movies at this point. Corey's struggling to uh, <laughs> to keep up with I both of us. No. All right. Well, that's my number five. Um, it's one again. It's more to the point, Corey. You're from Florida. I think it's worth checking this out, even if you're not a big Wahlberg fan or not a rock it, fan. It sounds nuts. I it was is. looking it up because I didn't remember you saying the name, so I just googled it and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it, it, it's pretty. It's like an action movie, and there are action sequences. That's a, it's a Michael Bay directed film, so you're yeah, gonna have some but, pretty solid action in it. Um, but like reading, it doesn't sound. I don't know. It no. doesn't sound real. But yeah, know. it's it's one of Donnie's favorites. Well, and I'm sure some of the moments are super exaggerated, mind you. Like, I, but the actual crime, and then the outcomes, I think, of the criminals are based on fact. So. I'm sure a lot of it is over the top Michael Bay interpretation of what happened kind of thing. But then again, he did do 13 hours, which is also based on a true story um, from the Benghazi incident. And, and so, you know, it's not, it's not completely out of his wheelhouse to go for realism when we're used to him doing like transformers and, 
even Bad Boys, which is surreal, especially Bad Boys 2, um, as far as the the way things are presented. But then 13 Hours and Pain and Gain, based on facts. So um, let's rotate over to Mike. Uh, we'll have you go second. Corey, you'll go third. Um, what is your number five, Mike? Okay. Um, I'm actually going to... I'm going to keep my order, but there's going to be one that's going to be subbed out. This is not the one. So I, I, I just was reminded, especially when you said something about being shocking and ah. having uh, the Florida aspect of it, because oh. our, our state is so infamous for, um, do y'all remember FARC, F-A-R-K.com? It's still around, I believe. It used to be pay. No. Or it is pay, and, and you get these, these, and they had a specific banner for each story because... Think of like Reddit, where they have these different subreddits. Well, instead of that, when they have their stories, they have banners. Well, Florida has their own banner because there's typically such outrageous stuff going on. So I'll get to that pick later. And I want to just hopefully I can edit quickly enough. And um, so if you hear me tapping away furiously, that's why. Okay, so I'm going to start off with the vital stats for my number five pick. 8.0 8.0 IMDb score, 91 meta score, 95% on the tomatometer, and a 94% audience score, which means 94% of the people responding liked it. This one uh, is one that I feel, in retrospect, I should have included in my top five films of the 70s list recently. Oh. It's 1970s Patton. Ah, okay. And... I want to watch that. Ah, so far, yeah, I am winning. So yes. George C. Scott puts in a powerhouse performance as George S. Patton in a nearly three-hour treatment, which actually did not feel like that runtime. It just kind of flew by for me. Of course, I was really interested and in, have been interested in it in, in a while. And and very much the Hollywood way, there are some liberties taken with the material. In fact, the according to what I read, so if I, unless it's it's not truthful. The way I understood it, the producers went out of their way to tone down some of the language that was used so that they didn't have an R rating. Um, Francis Ford Coppola and Edmund North, they both worked on the script and wrote the script that was based on more than one biography. And it really feels that you're watching Patton himself as you kind of sit, sit back and take it in. The way It's just, it really, I mean, when I think Patton, you think of that opening scene with a speech in front of that huge American flag. It's just iconic and it sticks out to you. And, you know, me being in the classroom with history, it's totally up my alley. And I, it, I missed it during my seventies pick and I didn't want to leave it off this time. Yeah. That's one I've also needed to watch. Um, although I'm pretty sure Corey might've moved it down on our list after hearing it was three hours, but uh, <laughs> you, you know, what? George C. Scott get... trumps that. Okay. Oh, don't use the word Trump. You get over that. Oh my goodness! Dang it! Jeez. Before he was even born, <laughs> that was a word, and I I'm know. gonna use it. All right. Um, you know, technically, his or name origin was probably Trump, I believe. I I believe oh. that's what Steve, uh, or I'm sorry, John Oliver said. Um, so Trump it is, but um, that's a movie. Obviously, even though I've not seen it, I am familiar with the scene you're describing, the opening speech. Um. I definitely have seen clips from it, and it's been one of many movies that are on my, you know, huge watch list. Uh, hopefully, I will continue oh, knocking man, some of those I off. You, I make made you tired telling you that it's a three-hour runtime. No, time. I I 
don't want to get into our real lives, but I was up way too late playing Destiny 2 last night, and uh, I did get to raid for the first time, so that was a big deal for me, because I've been playing Destiny Who for four years. Who did you raid with? I'm uh, just curious, because... Nick from, you know... Oh, okay, okay. And then a couple of other guys from the group, and then two guys kind of, like, escorted us and walked us through parts, but, man, we were we were struggling to, to get all the communication stuff down perfectly. But I digress. I Basically, I had to get up and still do, like, normal things today, so I only slept for, like, maybe five hours, and it was, like, a really bad five hours of sleep where I was, like, aware of the fact that I had stuff to do, and so I was afraid I was going to oversleep. So I didn't really sleep well the five hours. So, and then I've been, you know, not... I'd love to say I was working on my house, but I was helping by spectating and being a gopher while someone else was working on my house. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for bed, uh, a little early, earlier than usual. So, um, unfortunately I have nothing to add to Patton, nor does Corey. So to Corey's number five, we go. I have a feeling you might have this on your list, John. My number five is from 2016, but I just watched it maybe a month ago. It is, Loving. I don't actually. Um, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I, I, um, while I think it's a powerful story, I I wasn't as into the movie as I wanted to be, um, especially since I'm a big Jeff Nichols fan. I just think I have said this so many times, but it just blows my mind how not long ago that was. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole civil rights movement and how even today <laughs> it's so, so uh, relevant. Yes, but um, like you already said, it is written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who is obviously a fan of my boy Michael Shannon and Joel Edgerton. Yes, two movies last year together. Both yes. Jeff Nichols. And this one only had a small point with a, a part with Michael Shannon, but that's okay. If but I just get the, to see him on screen, it's the, good. The scene with Michael Shannon is probably my favorite in the whole movie. I love him as the photographer. He's so natural on screen, and then... The photo that he takes in the movie is the you know is based on the famous photo of the article, so um, an important role despite being small. Um, and it is the story of the interracial marriage of Richard and Mildred Loving in the 1960s, which ends up making its way to the Supreme Court because um, their home state of Virginia uh, pretty much kicks them out. Yes, for being married does not recognize interracial marriage and does not allow it to happen within their borders. So, uh, crazy story. And we, I don't think you mentioned Ruth Nega, um, who is... Oh, she's so great. Mildred. Great, yes, amazing. And she's also on Preacher right now on AMC. Yes. Uh, which uh, I've not got to see much of. I've seen maybe half of an episode, and I liked what I saw. I just haven't... I haven't done much with TV um, over the last year and a half, almost two years. Um, so, but sorry, Corey, I keep interrupting well, and no, you're she fine. doesn't look at all like Tulip in the graphic novels, but she pulls it off and is perfect yeah, in, she's in that preacher role. Terrific actress. I hope she's going to get some more film roles. But um, I I took my daughter to see this movie, though, because I did think it was uh, such an important story. Um, you know, and what? that's the thing. I, it came to the Polk Theater um late last year well, well i was gonna ask what what it was rated because i'm thinking ah. civil rights time during that uh, it's you know, PG-13. As as lessons wise okay yeah it's it's if, honestly it's fairly tame um it's more of a legal battle uh you know like they were mis they were mistreated a little bit but considering 
the what could have happened. Um, like there's no no real violence takes place. It's just that they're forced to kind of live in secret and give up. Like the big issue why they because some people would hear the story and like why don't they just leave Virginia? But her family is in Virginia. Why, what? In his family, why should yeah? Exactly. Oh, completely. You're completely right. That she shouldn't have to. That's the point. But that's where that thing. It's like, well, if if this state's gonna do this, why don't you just leave? It's like, well, she didn't want to leave her family, her her father, her sister, her mother, and that was where the real like conflict of the film is with her. It's like she wants to be with him, but she doesn't want to leave her family, and yet can't be near them, or at least not near enough to them. Um. And so that's you know the driving force why why they pursue legal action, um, and it's and I gotta say the the biggest shock was the lawyers um, in the movie who are played by Nick Kroll, and there's another comedic actor, and that's why it's it's unusual because these are the two people they cast as the lawyers are more more often seen in comedic roles, and um, you know here they are playing these very dramatic and important lawyer roles, and it was a. Uh, very against type for them, but in a good way. I thought Nick Kroll uh, pulled it off pretty well. I'm trying to find the other lawyer. Nick Kroll and... Man, where's the guy at? Oh, there he is. Uh, John Bass, who's not in a whole lot, but he does tr- uh, normally comedic roles. Um, oh, he's in Baywatch. What am I talking about? Um, and he was uh, the kind of the nerdy guy in, in the new Baywatch movie. And um, but it's a it's definitely a really powerful story. It's one that everyone should hear, and I'm glad that it was turned into a film. Although there is a, I'm pretty sure there's a documentary about this as well. But um, you know the performances are great. Joel Edgerton has really won me over over the last couple of years. Like, yeah, he's come a long way. Yeah, and I th- I think Mike, I think it is available. It's definitely available to rent. But I think it was on one of the streaming services recently. It might be Amazon. I've been. S- seeing it pop up and i need to watch it yeah well i know you're a jeff nichols fan too um yes i've liked everything and the whole family really got into midnight special yes i keep wanting my my wife to watch that one and she's resistant um i don't think she's you know just 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 duct tape and i just want to say tie her up Make well, her watch it. That's usually like. Oh my! She's always resistant with me in movies. I almost like if someone else were to suggest it to her, she's more likely to watch it, and it frustrates oh, me. I'll that message her. I, I, consi- <laughs> I consider myself to be a film critic at this point, whether or not I'm amateur, professional, whatever. Um, but I'm just like, I'm like, do you do you know what I do? Like, like other people take my opinions on movies at least a little, maybe not many, but geez, like you've known me for a while. I know what movies you like. Why wouldn't you trust me on this? But nonetheless, um, tell her no pups die. I feel like that'll be. Yeah, and that she does avoid like sad things, and that's um, that I, that's understandable. But you know, um, I think this is a really a really good pick, Corey. But one that again, I, while I enjoyed, I didn't I didn't love it enough to make it into my top five. Honestly, it didn't even pop in my head until you said it. No offense to Jeff Nichols, but. Um, I guess that leads into my number uh, four, which this is my oldest movie on my list. And unfortunately, that doesn't break out of the 2000s. It's 2001. Um, and this was a movie uh, I've, I've mentioned a friend. I don't like to, I never drop his name because I don't know if he would really want his name dropped like that. But um, a few years back, we started alternating watching movies back and forth. Like I would go to his house and watch a movie. He would come to my house and watch a movie. And we were trying to watch uh, movies that we had skipped like 
whether because they looked too serious or they were too dramatic or they might make us cry or whatever, um, we had, for some reason or another, not seen these really big-name movies. And we watched a lot of these films together where we were back and forth, back and forth. And this was one that I, I don't even remember what made us pick it. Um, but I was surprised after watching it. And it's A Beautiful Mind, um, starring Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Conley, Christopher Plummer, Paul Bettany, um, Adam Goldberg, and a few others. Ron Howard directed... Um, and it's about a, a real guy named John Nash. Um, and the premise is after John Nash, a brilliant, but a, a social mathematician accepts secret work in cryptography. His life takes a turn for the nightmarish. Um, it's such an interesting thing to watch. Cause now I also, I bought the documentary uh, on John Nash after seeing this movie. Cause I was so compelled. Um, and I also taught this film like within the month after I watched it because I was, I was just so, I loved the presentation of the story and I love the story. Um, it's while there's tragic elements to the story that John Nash was brilliant, but that, you know, he suffers from hallucinations essentially. I don't remember. It's, it's been a little while since I've watched it. So I'm, I'm not recalling exactly what he was suffering from, but, um, like paranoid delusions and, uh, Paul Bettany's character in particular being one of the most interesting elements of the film. Um, and you know, he's got delusions of grandeur where he, he's, this cryptography he's doing is for the uh, the Cold War, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that's what it was. Maybe it's World War II, but I, I don't think it was that far back. I can't quite remember. Um, but I just remember being really, really shocked because I didn't know what this movie was going into it. Like I, I had a lot of award, you know, talk with it, and that's one of the reasons why we had picked it. But we were both my friend and I were were very unfamiliar with the story. And so, again, similar to Pain and Gain, where I went into Pain and Gain not knowing it was a true story. I went into A Beautiful Mind not knowing it was based on a true story. Um, but I should have. I should have known. Unlike the Pain and Gain, this was a much more highly known fact about this uh, film. And it's got great performances from Crow and Conley. Um, Paul Bettany is fantastic. And I, I really, really, it stuck with me. And while I've only seen it the one time, um, when looking at all these movies, it was one that I really, I hold in high regard and wanted to talk about. So it's on my list is number four with a metacritic of 72 by the way Dang. i wanted to see that when it was in theaters and i missed it and i still haven't watched it and there's no excuse well, sorry for spoilers <laughs> that's fine i already knew what it was about oh, okay see? i've seen it but i i i again it's not on my list yeah. but i do want to say did did ed Harris and Jennifer Con were they both in Pollock? I'm trying to it's dig that up. Possible for sure. Conley's in a bunch of stuff. Maybe not. Um, maybe they're both in Labyrinth. No. <laughs> just oh. Um Ed Harris was in David Bowie's role or something. No. Um Oh god. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. But oh no. Anyway. No. I meant no disrespect. I, I could be mistaken. I could be mistaken. Okay. Um I'll there are some discrepancies, though, between the film and the actual story. Again, that's going to happen a lot through this, yeah. so I probably shouldn't dwell on that. And that's not it's not picked for its accurate representation, at least not for my part. You know, that's I and I I said I bought the documentary. I also I should note that I have not watched the documentary. I bought it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things I that I, I do a lot. Um, I buy something with the intent to watch and then something new comes along or something uh, unexpected comes along and I must whip it. So, um, oh, and on a crack, break him on his back. Yeah. You know how it goes. So I, I, I tend to, 
um, have more films. I, I still am looking at my shelves. I have tons of movies that I own and have not watched, and that's just one of them. So, um, but it's it's something I am going to watch at some point because I am I, I want to rewatch a Beautiful Mind. In fact, because I really did like it when I watched it, but I it was early into my my study of film. You know, I'd, I've always watched movies, but when I it was before I really was like watching them with a purpose. And so I think I need to rewatch it, maybe reevaluate my opinion of it. But again, um, I still have fond memories of watching it. And there's, I have a few on my list, um, on my honorable mentions that I left off my top five, partly because I was pretty confident I've had them on my list before and I was trying to include something else. So it's very my life. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, so not much to add to that. So Mike, what do you got for your number four? All right. Well, for as far back as I can remember, Jodie Foster has been one of my favorites. I mean, I can't remember. I know I did not watch Taxi Driver at a young age, but I want to say maybe the little girl who lives down. Didn't we talk? Corey, that's one of yours from a while back, right? One of your picks. Mm -hmm. So I think that might have been one of one of the early ones that, that I picked up on. In any case. It was with more than a bit of surprise that when we saw her, or I saw her in 1988's The Accused, it, I was, well, the look for her in it was extremely different than, one, than what we had been used to, but not only that, just the subject matter itself uh, made it shocking to watch, to put it mildly. Um, the Wikipedia entry, as reliable as Wiki may be or may not be, attributed this as being one of the first Hollywood productions to graphically portray a sexual assault in, in a really unflinching mm. manner, which is the central part of this of this film. It's not one of those that you're going to put on for light viewing at all, and the message is a strong one. And it's a showcase not only for Jodie Foster, but Kelly McGillis as uh, an assistant district attorney who, ironically, the character was fictional, and I think there was probably like an amalgamation of different characters and they, they put the cast Kelly McGillis and it's very telling of the justice system because the Jodie Foster character is, is, is seeking to press charges and it's pled down her attack. And not only, not only the guys that did it, but the people in the bar that were cheering it on who eventually they were charged and as it turns out, they faced legal repercussions to it as well. It's 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 a really difficult watch, especially that whole scene. And it's not it, it really stuck out in my head. And Roger Ebert had a really pointed discussion on it as far as with his review and uh, and and how if this horrible thing happens to you, but the victim is further victimized. Because, you know, people want to write it off or maybe not always believe what or, or they'll take um, what shouldn't be done uh, a person's previous background or history. You know, it, 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 it's a strong message and it's not everyone has seen it and it may not necessarily be for everyone because it could be triggering um, it, the film itself, it's a 7.1 IMDb score. It doesn't have a meta score. It's a 95% on the tomatometer. Uh, but oddly enough, it contrasts with a 79% audience score. So, uh, you know, 79% of the people did like it. But obviously, it is very touchy and difficult subject matter to watch. Yeah. Um, 
I've not seen that one either, and I am I am trying to kind of work backwards through a lot of Jodie Foster's early stuff. Um, that one does sound like it could be a pretty challenging watch, though. Yeah, I, w- I would say so for sure. It comes with that cop- caveat. And Corey, have you I seen it or no? I have not. Okay, so that 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 concludes our broadcast day. No, um, let's. Move. No, I just I don't have anything else to add to it. Like you said, yeah, um, no. I have a really hard time watching films with rape in them. I have a really, yeah. really, really hard time watching it, even if it's not necessarily shown on the screen. And you said that that's pretty graphic. At that. It it is. It's very shocking. So I just don't know if I could handle I it. I don't know how you they would have produced that. You know, I'm thinking of keeping safety of any of the cast or crew yeah. in mind. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 one of those things. I've heard, I've read a lot of different ar- arguments about whether or not rape should ever be included on screen. Um, you know, it is a it definitely depends on the context. In this movie, it does sound like, while maybe it's still too graphic, um, it's hard. I don't know. I haven't read anything about this specific movie, but it does seem like it's not being exploitative. It's it's part of the story. It's what sets the story off. Uh, it's still debatable. It's impetus, yeah. yeah, it's still debatable whether we have to see it or not, of course. Um, but that, you know, as the artist wants the audience to really understand what this woman went through and then how she, I'm assuming, how she's still kind of being mistreated despite what we witnessed, mm-hmm. you know, and that definitely is going to create lots of empathy from the audience. And so there could be a lot of, a lot of artistic arguments as to why it should be shown. Um, and then of course you could make counter arguments that like I, and again, if you're a person who already has a stance on rape where you're very much, you know, support the victim, take care of the victim, don't don't make the victim the bad guy. Don't make them. Don't ask them. Well, what were you wearing? What what were you doing? Mm-hmm. You know. Don't make mm-hmm. them the, the the person who's responsible for the rape. Make the rapist the responsible party, as it should be. Then you don't need to see it because you already are on the side of the victim. You're already rooting for them. You're taking their word for it. So, it, it could be argued either way, and it's it's a challenging choice that a director or um you know, a writer even including a scene like that it makes and. If it's not exploitative, if it's not just, you know, because there's a lot of canon films, I think, that feature rape that people would argue is unnecessary in almost every circumstance. Um, and uh, Irreversible comes to mind, and I know we talked, you watched it, didn't you, Bert? I think so. Irrever- well, you can't miss it. It's a whole, I think, I want to say 11-minute scene. Oh. And it's, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, maybe it's seven minutes, but in either case, it's it's like you're reaching for the fast forward button and that's uh monica bellucci from the matrix and the passion of the christ and i think she was romantically involved with the director writer director gaspar noe uh and that's it's it you know i I don't know how much because again it's central to the story yeah you don't realize fully what what's going on you know until I don't Later think on. I have seen this, but um, I am familiar with the actress. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's it's you know a challenging one, but definitely the story is compelling in in the movie on your list, so that that makes sense to have it on yours. Let's move into Corey's number four. 
My number four is from 1999. I forgot to get the director. Um, Boys Don't Cry. Okay. Oh, yeah. This one's also kind of not as heavy as, you know, I don't know. Um, but Hilary Swank plays Brandon Tina, a trans man that um, is murdered by two acquaintances. Not just murdered as if murder isn't horrible enough, but also she is sexually mm-hmm. she's raped. Um, mm-hmm. Chloe Sevigny um, plays her girlfriend Lana in this. Um, I watched this probably when I was like 16 or 17. Um, Mm. Pretty heavy, but uh, again, I think it's kind of an important story. Um, I think it's even, it it. seems more, I I also think I've seen it, but I think Mm -hmm. I might've, I might've not been able to sit through the whole thing. I I think I might've been like overwhelmed with what it was. Um, And I think in today's time, this movie feels even maybe more important. Um, to a degree, you know, as more mm-hmm. as the transgender community is becoming a more, uh, you know, vocally outspoken group, um, more people are are starting to step into that position where they are uh, transgender, and I think, you know, this and we shouldn't forget about how it's been treated. Yeah, and it came out in '99, and I don't know if you guys remember um, when Matthew Shepard was mm, murdered yeah. in '98. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which he wasn't trans. No, gender, but, but still a hate crime. But still, right? Yeah, it's inexcusable. I I haven't watched it. I it's I know oh. it's heavy going on, and yeah, I and and I don't usually shy away. I've, it's been on my to watch list for for a long while this one um i I also like i kind of i wouldn't say i forgot about it's just there's so many movies that it's it wasn't on my watch list but now it it is because i know i didn't sit through the whole thing and it's a movie now that i feel like i really need to go back to plus it's early hillary swank um she's taken on some really challenging performances in the past so it's it's compelling um and then chloe uh is that is that how you say it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I tend I to so. enjoy her performances. She was just in something I saw um, fairly recently. I'm looking it up now, uh, but she was in American Horror Story. But yes, I just noticed that uh, Dogville is currently available. I forget through which on, I know on Com on Xfinity, and she's on in there as well. And I forgot how long Dogville is. Yeah, Ooh. I need to watch that actually. Um, and I think the movie. <laughs> It wasn't the one I saw. It's one that we were talking about recently on the podcast, uh, Corey. Two of them, in fact. Beatrice at Dinner and then The Dinner have both, because they both recently came out on DVD, and we talked about them. Um, oh, and she's in The Snowman. That's what it is. Uh, oh, that, and I know that I talked about it so much, but I love her so much as Nicolette Grant in Big Love. I need to watch Big she, Love. Like, yes. I love it so much. It's so good. Such a great cast. Yeah, I need I to. I live very uh, close to Utah now, and it's you know. Yeah, <laughs> boys don't cry is is definitely one I'm going to try to check out. Sounds like a definitely the last two you guys picked some very hard watches, um, but in, that are important I think to uh, in some capacity. So, mm-hmm. um, and my my next one, my number three is uh, an important one, and it's a tough watch, but not with um, not in the same way. But the subject matter still is very sensitive. Um, has a 93 on Metacritic and 
uh, was nominated for several Academy Awards uh, back just over a year ago. Um, I'm going to pull up its wins even. And it won uh, it won for Best Motion Picture from 2016. Um, and it won for uh, Best Writing and Original Screenplay, which I guess I could argue that then including it on my list is kind of unnecessary because people have probably seen this um, or at least heard about it because of uh, that those awards. And it is 2015 Spotlight. Um, <gasps> so good. Uh, stars Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, uh, Rachel McAdams, Liv Shriver, um, Stanley Tucci, and a few other uh, people that are in here. But um, oh, wow. I, I caught it before um, the Oscars. I was uh, determined, because I was right at the beginning of my, my uh, seven movies a week challenge, my seven and seven. And so I uh, decided to see all of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture before the Oscars. And so I, I went out of my way. Like, I bought Room. I bought this. I bought... Um, the actually I, I got lucky and the big short came back in theaters and was able to see that in theaters and uh i went to school to be a journalist um my my intention w- after college was to be a reporter and while i did do some freelance stuff uh for our local newspaper and i i i, I had a lot of actually success doing it um i never it never was the world that i had romanticized in my head you know where journalists were unbiased and un, unrelenting and we would go out of our way to get the truth and that's what really pulled me for this movie is how uh, these these writers um, find something that they don't want to find. Like they're not looking for this story, but once they have it, they know they have to tell it. And it's the true story of how the Boston Globe uncovered the massive scandal of child molestation and cover up within the local Catholic um, archdiocese. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Shaking archdiocese. The, there you go. Thank you guys. Shaking the entire Catholic Church to its core. Um, and the thing it's not only a great story it's directed by tom mccarthy and it's it's presented there's moments where all we see is somebody doing research in the library and it feels like we're watching an action movie like the the way the music builds the editing of the sequence the uh the insert shots of like uh spreadsheets and microfilm and newspaper clippings um it's it's presented in such a way that keeps it engaging while not detracting from what the story is about, which is are these hardworking journalists doing the research to get information out there um, that needed to be out there. And I, I was and, so compelled by the story. And they had a hard time getting so much of that information because so many people didn't want to work with them. Yeah, there yeah. was resistance, even though the truth had already come out long before this movie, there was still resistance about putting it on a global scale. And you get some amazing performances in this movie. Ruffalo's character, what he goes through <sighs> um, is so intense. And then Keaton is fantastic, as pretty much always. Um, and and Liv Schreiber, though, is really great as well. And I uh, don't want to undercut him. And, and McAdams has been really solid in everything I've seen her in recently. Um, but it, this is a movie I, I've only seen the once and it's, it's so embedded in my brain though. Um, and it's one I really want to rewatch because again, it, it, it shows the type of journalism that made me want to be a journalist. That's why I went to school. Um, while integrity. I'm not that it's integrity, it's the, the drive and it's, um, they know that the risk of telling the story actually is, is pretty bad on them like people are gonna not be happy with them for telling the story but there's that desire for truth and and that the truth is more powerful than anything else and um that's the romanticized journalism that i went into college with that once i got into the the world of journalism at least locally 
And even, I mean, you can watch, there's so much talk right now about journalism and what's fake news and what's not. And it, it's it's sad because while I don't agree with everything Trump calls fake news, there is fake news out there. There's a lot of news that is, you know, I mean, just the way the system is built, it, it's meant, it's it's flawed. There's too many private companies that are in it. It's not the world that I, I wanted it to be. And Spotlight just gives me a little taste of the power of, of a journalist, an unbiased, unrelenting journalist. And that's what, in my yearbook class, while I teach journalistic principles, um, and especially the idea of being unbiased, or at least attempting to find unbiased, finding, you know, knowing what your biases are to try to remove them from your storytelling um, so that it is as unbiased as possible. And... Uh, this movie, I think, really showcases that power. So uh, it's uh, why it's on my list. How did I, I not think of that movie? It's so good. Mike, have you well, seen that? I've got to add it to my watch list because I, I'm i intrigued. Uh, there was an old, I think it was, ba- I want to say it was based on a true story, uh, Sally Field, Paul Newman, called Absence of Malice, and it dealt with the um, responsibility of um, of a journalist and making accusations with someone that happened to be related to someone that was a figure in the mob or in some crime family, but they themselves were very far removed from that, and you know the the legal aspects of that, and while that you know that seems dry and and not really interesting, it is interesting because there's a whole lot more than what people realize we um as a bi-weekly or forget how often because my schedule's off from storm uh, we do uh, in some classes it's called sit rep but i just call it the current events and you know showing students how to cite and kind of leaving it open however yeah and the the thing came up you know with regards to fake news and you know, and there there were the student opinions already, and I told them where I would go to first and see, you know, if you, you can't typically go wrong with AP router writers, routers, how do you say it? R-U-T-E-R-S? Uh, New service? I would probably say routers is how Ro- I would routers, say Routers, yeah, routers. Um, or, like, I might go to The Guardian, uh, the U.S. version of, you know what I mean, something yeah. along those lines. Because something, the fact of the matter is, it's difficult to find something that's objective. Yeah, that doesn't have a leaning one way or another. Because there's that that's the nature of it anymore. And I've told, you know, I shared with them when I watch news, I want to watch news. I don't like the fluffy, happy, fluff the fluff piece, pieces. You yeah, know, I'm not too because it's not news. That's not. Yeah, I mean, but it... again, it's a business too, and I get that they want ratings, but. Well, and the yeah. hope with fluff pieces are that there was nothing else to tell because there, there, you know, we kind of, as a news person, you generally don't want a slow news day, but as a, a human being, you kind of want a slow news day because that means maybe nothing bad happened <laughs> for a change. Um, yeah. But yeah, but let's move into uh, Mike. What's your number three? All right. Well, the never disappointing Meryl Streep joins up with Cher and Kurt Russell, as well as Mike Nichols. Or Mike Nichol? Nichol. Uh, in 1983's Silkwood, the biographical story of Karen Silkwood, who died under mysterious circumstances in a car crash while she was investigating the Kerr-McGee plutonium plant where she was an employee. Mm. It's a very serious affair all around, and it's 
I wouldn't, I don't recall any real action scenes. Uh, there is, it, it makes up for the lack of action. There's a decontamination scene that Lee will, you know, how like if someone mentions the lice or something like that and you start to get itchy in your scalp, this scene, the way they're having to clean each of the characters, it, it's going to leave you feeling raw. Uh, it's, it, it actually comes, uh, this isn't too much of a spoiler, uh, but it comes after supposedly the radio radioactive radioactivity levels in their home that they share. I think all three characters share a, a residence, an apartment, or home. Uh, it pop up a little hotter than they should, so they figure they're sneaking the stuff out or something like that, and it goes along those routes. Uh, it, oddly enough, I didn't realize it was out of print on DVD until this past summer. Oh, wow. And so now it's back. On, yeah. And so it would have been difficult to probably get a hold of the well, it was nominated five times for Oscars. Wow. And comes in with a 7.2 IMDb rating, 64 meta score, 75 percent tomato mutter rating and a 78 percent. <laughs> you know, audience um, score. I was earlier mentioning that I was raiding last night on Destiny and uh, one of the guys in the raid, um, th- actually two of the guys had went and saw Kingsman uh, yesterday. Oh. And um, they mentioned something about Jeff Bridges, and I was like, yeah, I, I liked him too, although he has played that cowboy character in the, like the last five movies that he's been in. And uh, one of the guys says, he wasn't a cowboy in Guardians. Um, and I was like... Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait, well, hold on. And then me and the, the other guy who had gone with him to see the movie was like, that's that's Kurt Russell. And he's like, no. And we're like, dude, no, it's Kurt Russell. Like you're confusing. The, they're not the same person. But I, it, I was reminded because Kurt Russell's in this movie that you were mentioning. So, um, yeah, I, I want to check this out. Actually, uh, Mike Nichols, obviously, big, famous, super, you know, uh, respected director, did The Graduate, um, and uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by the premise too. Plus, Meryl Streep, like you said, I mean, even in her bad movie, she's fantastic. So, well, and it was good to. I mean, Cher is. My wife is not a Cher fan, and I what? am. She's not. Uh, I am, however, and she is. I really miss seeing her on screen because she was always. I can't think of a role that she wasn't good in that I didn't like her in. So she's and she she shows off her chops in this. It's a dramatic role, and she, you, she shines. They all, they're all really good. Everyone's you know, really good. At you know what I gotta say though? I think I think sketches have have ruined share for me because most of my knowledge of share comes from somebody else being share you know like mocking them or making fun of her and sunny bono or whatever and so Mm -hmm. i think the caricature of her is more of my impression of share than actually share um i have not i don't think i've seen any of her big films like i'm familiar with that i would i will I will quote her from Moonstruck and slap you across the face and say, "Snap out of it!" <laughs> she got she got to do to Nick Cage in that one. See, I need to watch that. Um, all right, uh, Corey, have you you haven't seen Silkwood either? I assume I have not. Maybe uh, this one so, I could actually zero to zero. This might be a movie club uh, later down the road, and we got a pretty full couple of months already. But this one I could see being one we add because. It's got a cast that we're I definitely would... fans of, and it's really interesting of a premise. And all I can only think of her in Mermaids, and I love her so much in Mermaid. Mermaids. I would like to see her in more films, so I'd definitely oh, she, be down. She, 
she was the mom in Mask and Mom in Mermaids. She was in Moonstruck. Most recently, uh, Burlesque, I believe, was her last movie. Oh, see, I haven't watched that. That was so from a few know. years ago. I didn't see that one but either. If, she, if she's attached, I, I, I love her. I, I, I think my mom really liked her, too. So that's probably where My mom from. did. And that's why, like, those movies were on when I was a kid. I don't remember watching them, though. Like, I think they were on, and I was just playing with my toys or whatever. I just, like, I definitely remember The Mask, and I remember, I think, Mermaids. She's not in Beaches, right? Beaches is uh, Bette Midler and... Barbara Hershey. Okay, yep. yeah. That, that was another movie my mom watched a lot, and I remember that one. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Um, I loved Bette Midler as a kid. Uh, I went so to much. a theater to see that with my youth pastor's daughters. Hmm. Um... All right. Well, that's Silkwood. Let's go to Corey's number three. Dun, dun, dun. My number three is no surprise. Um, it's from 1995, Apollo 13, directed by Ron Howard. I'm gonna I'm gonna that put has... this on Front Street. I still have not watched this movie. Um, it's been I know, guys. Uh, I've owned it for a, a good year now too, and I still have not got to it, but. Um, so obviously John's going to have nothing to add to this. No, I'm kidding. Um, I watched it. Um, my, I think that we bought this on VHS or something when it first came out. Cause we didn't get to go to the movies very often when I was a kid, but I watched it a couple years ago when my grandmother came to visit, they had reissue re-released it on like Blu-ray for mm-hmm. an anniversary edition. Um, I think that's the so I, I have. watched shit then it has tom hanks who i'm pretty sure we're all a fan of kevin bacon bill paxton yeah ed harris gary sinise clint howard um and i feel like most people know uh but when things go wrong inside the apollo 13 spacecraft nasa has to abandon um to abandon plans for lunar landing which would be their third one and get the astronauts home safely um just watching kind of their, what they have to go through trying to get home and stay safe. <sighs> this it's is nice. one that very was very very close to being on my list, and it reminds me that I probably should have included another one. Um, have you watched the right stuff? Mm-mm. No, but um, I saw that come up that supposedly it is better. It's tough to compare. They're two such different. I mean. Anything that could possibly have gone wrong went wrong in Apollo 13. And the, fa- the fact, and I've talked to some of my students in the past with it, uh, the fact that they were able to make it back, oop, spoilers. <laughs> well, I guess it's historical. Yeah. Um, yes. But the, the, mar- the margin of error was so, the way they described it, they held a tennis ball and a basketball with the basketball representing the earth and the margin of error was so small that it would have to they could not ma- miss a window oh. bigger than a sheet of paper oh man that's how minute this the... one has ed harris in it too he's the man yeah he's a bunch of stuff he's, 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 i think he's our mvp for tonight because we mentioned him in several things and and i think three right Two or three. Yeah, Pollock. And we've already got Ron Howard on here twice. Yeah, Ron Howard because of Beautiful Mind. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, and Ed Harris, I think, is in A Beautiful Mind. So, which yeah, is what he is. That's where it came from. You you mentioned Pollock, but it wasn't on our list. You just mentioned it. I like to name drop, okay? All right. Um, when? You know, I got to say, you know Apollo, Apollo 13 has been on my watch list for a while now. I don't 
have a reason that I skipped it. Um, I feel like there was a point in my my late teens when I I, I had a grudge with Tom Hanks for some reason. I think it was because <gasps> of Castaway. Because of Castaway, you? everyone was praising Castaway, and I watched it and I was bored. Now, granted, as an adult, I appreciate Castaway way more, but as a kid, it didn't work for me, and and that's I think that made me just not watch Hanks films. And now I'm pretty sure Apollo 13 came out a couple of years before Castaway. But I think it just did. I ha- I didn't see it in the theater. Nobody put it in front of me to watch. Then I saw Castaway, and I wasn't thrilled. And I think I kind of went on like oh, I'm not watching it. And to be fair, like because while I find joy in most Tom Hanks films now, um, even like Terminal and things like that, uh, there was Sleepless in Seattle that I've never seen. There was uh, You've Got Mail. A lot of the the more rom coms as a high school teenager, I was just like whatever. I'm gonna watch action movies, and that's it. You know, and that was my ignorance then but i haven't had i haven't had the time to remedy all of my ignorance yet you know what i'm saying like i'm trying but it's a it's a process it's not instantaneous and so apollo 13 would have been watched by now but it's also it's like two and a half hours or something isn't it it doesn't feel like it to me no well maybe Corey, I don't watch, Corey watched it so much that felt yeah it doesn't feel well that it's not it's not a, a, about feeling it was practicality i was juggling yeah, my master's no, degree totally. and it's two hours and 20 minutes um i was juggling my master's really? degree. yeah and that's why i haven't watched it yet um because i was trying to fit it into my schedule and two hours and 20 minutes is a lot harder to fit in than anything under two hours so yeah. hold on my ears are bleeding now jeez <laughs> um all right, so I did want to mention a film, a Studio Ghibli, Ghibli film that I started and really liked. You, If you're holding a grudge against Castaway, you may not want to give The Red Turtle a try. Oh, the new one. But I, yeah, it's fairly new. It's uh, last year, I think. Yeah. It, it has literally maybe five lines of dialogue. See, but now, and that's, I, I'm a very different film watcher now than when I was when I saw Castaway well, all those years I, ago. I had my son start on it, and he found it a little slow, which was maybe he wasn't in the right right mindset, you know, not right in the wrong time, wrong place for it. But it hit. I just wanted to mention that because don't hold it against the Red Turtle. I didn't realize that was a Studio Ghibli um, film, actually. It's a co-production with, I think, a French studio. Yeah, because it, it, this and um, what was the My Life as a Cucumber were both uh, – like oh. being discussed last year um, for Oscar nods. I think, I don't think this one got oh, it. I think wow. life as a cucumber got the Oscar nod, not the win, but the nod for the nomination. Um, I think this might've been nominated for golden globe or I might be mixing them. It might've been life as a cucumber was a golden globe and this was the Oscar. Um, but I, I heard of both and I've wanted to see both. I think Ellen page did the translation for um, life is not life as a cucumber i'm not 100 percent if i'm See, right I have on to, that i have to dig that one up i have to dig that one it's up supposed but, to be kind um, of sad though just a heads up on that one um uh, i'm okay with sad me the too red, uh, the red turtle is uh xfinity so right now on demand ah well i no longer have that so um oh i cut sorry. those cords uh all right well, let's go to my number two um my number two is a film i've talked about before but there's no way I can talk about true stories and not talk about one of the one a movie that without knowing who the director or the writer were, um, I fell in love with. Uh, oddly enough, on a treadmill at Gold's Gym, um, it was a movie I kind of had no interest in seeing when it came out because I thought, how could anything about uh, social media be good? And um, I, I was so captivated at the gym, I, I walked for an extra half hour um, to finish it. 
and then went and bought it so I could watch it when I wasn't running on a tread. Well, running is an exaggeration. When I wasn't walking on a treadmill. Um, and that is 2010's The Social Network, directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin and Ben Mesrick, um, including um, a cast of Jesse Eisenberg in one of his best performances, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Rooney Mara, um, and where is he on this list? That's crazy. Army Hammer is not earlier on the list? That is an atrocity of this IMDb listing. That's weird. He's still not on the list. I'm looking through like 20 people and they're not showing Army Hammer. Like the dude is the Winklevosses. What is the deal? The Winklevi must have gotten demoted. But I I absolutely love this film. I find the story so compelling. And it's, oh, and Rashida Jones, who has a cool uh, role, although small. Um, There he is way down on the list. What is the deal with that? But um, I I was so captivated by the way the story is told. Um, it feels like a thriller, even though there's really like nothing happening. You know, because he does. I mean, he rips people off essentially, which I guess is kind of debatable. They don't ever really come down with w- whether or not he is the villain the, or not. But um, the, the dilution of shares is so wrong. Mm, oh yeah, for him to have done that to his best. His really his only friend was just yeah mm. yeah well and it it gives you I love the insight into uh to Napster with um with what is it rape something Parker um Sean Sean, Sean Parker, Parker. Uh, with Justin Timberlake who this is a great performance from Justin Timberlake this introduced me to Fantastic. Andrew Garfield and I I became a huge fan of Andrew Garfield from this movie um it, it's such I don't I just can't every time it's on and I think the score is by Trent Reznor if I'm not mistaken um. I believe so. And it's just everything about this movie is fantastic. It, it's the 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 scenes, Eisenberg's performance. There's some, um, like last night again. This raid keeps coming back up, but the guy was like, "I need a hundred percent of your attention." And the only thing I could think of was Jesse Eisenberg's line: "Is like you have the most minimal amount of my attention that I can muster." <laughs> like it is, it, you know, it's so. There's so many that's great got, components. That's why parts. you guys got stuck on the raid. That is why um, we were. Well, it was to be fair. It was two thirty in the morning. We were not capable of paying attention anymore. But um, it, it it's such a great movie that um, I, I cannot skip it on my list. Even though it's, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this movie before. I am a big David Fincher fan. I can't deny it. I, I the way he works with the tone because he makes his movies always have a darker edge to them. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, most of the stories call for it. This one, it does, but it doesn't in the same way. You know, because, like, again, what he's doing is wrong, but it's not wrong to everybody. Although now, I'd like to see a Social Network sequel where it talks about the Russian advertisements on Facebook. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, what, there's so much that could be covered. Yeah. So, I, you know, come on, Fincher, Sorkin, team up. Let's make it happen. Um Although now Sorkin's, uh, he had his directorial debut this year, so he might be uh, working that direction now instead of just writing, but writing, directing. So, um, But that's my number two, and I know that's a movie both of you have seen. Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely a must-watch. I didn't include it on my list because I think it's gotten lots of love. Yeah, it has. Um, and not all mine not all mine have gotten the love and attention. Not that it's a bad pick. It's a fantastic pick. It's one of those. It is an uh, obvious pick, though. It's, uh, it's, it's a shock. But- like. Anytime it's on, I, I pretty much want to watch it. I think that it was so much more than we all expected, a Facebook yes. movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, totally. I, went, I remember everyone talking about it, but I don't remember 
really what they were saying, just that it was really good. And I remember, um, I think that we went to a second run theater, a friend and I to see it. And so it has already been out in a regular theater for long enough to go to a second run theater. And the theater was full to the max. We had to sit in the front row and I don't do that. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't, like, I think I said crazy. the Metacritic, but it says a 95 on Metacritic. Um, it, oh, dang. It's that it's that high in the regards of of everything. It just everything about it works so perfectly. Um, I, I I would near say it's a, it's a perfect adventure of film, and it's it's two hours on the dot, which I also think is like it, everything about it just seems so perfect. Um, and it's one again. I bought it because I I saw it at the gym, and it's one that I would have never have otherwise done. So that's the social network. With my number two, uh, let's go to Mike. What do you got for your number two? All right, well, I have another multiple Oscar nominee, which is seeming to be the trend on my list so far. Eight Oscar nominations, to be exact. 1984's The Killing Fields. Uh, it chronicled the relationship of two journalists during the Cambodian Khmer Rouge regi- regime that was in power from the late 60s through 1999. Uh, Sam Watterson, who most people would recognize from TV's Law & Order, John Malkovich, Try that again. Oh. John Malkovich, Julian Sands, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name. I apologize. Hying S. Nor, N-G-O-R, round out the cast. He plays Dith Prawn, who's an interpreter for the New York Times and works with reporters Sidney Shanberg, who's played by Sam Waterston. And it's a there is a, a, a part set during near the time that the Khmer Rouge is set to take over Cambodia in the summer of 73. And because of Prawn's Cambodian citizenship there isn't an opportunity they're not going to let him leave with the American citizens so it's either death or forced labor because Pol Pot had this year zero if I believe policy yep. where they're switching back to agrar- agrarian society and, and, and into forced government's uh, work and and the fields and, and, and the, the sheer number of Cambodians that died it was it equaled about 25 percent of their 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 population during his wow his regime during his yeah it was it's insane uh how many people had died and so after that it switched between the film has a focus between what death prawn has to do in order to survive and what shanberg does upon his own return to the united states there's some tough scenes because he was able to get out being american being a journalist not that it's always safe because there's actually a couple other um, uh, films that 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 doesn't turn out to be yeah. you know a protective shield. Uh, there's several pivotal scenes throughout the film that will probably very likely affect anyone watching it. Yeah. It has a 7.9 IMDb score, no meta score, 93% fresh on the tomatometer, and it's accompanied by an almost equal. 92% audience score. And I want to point out, Mike, this is the second movie, I think, in a row of yours that has Craig T. Nelson in it. And I don't think he's gotten a shout-out on either one. Oh, boy. Gosh, how could I? Because, you know, I- I'll be honest. I was not a fan of Coach. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people that <laughs> loved Coach. Yep. But in his dramatic roles and when he plays a heavy, he is awesome. I love him then. But I did not get into his co- comedic, comedic, you know, I just didn't get into it. No, I mean not not against him dramatically. It's just I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm holding a uh, oh, subliminal. 
grudge against him. I shouldn't. Sorry, Craig T. Nelson. You're awesome. Please yeah. Listen. Um. So that's a movie I, I'm adding to my my list. I, I'm trying to watch more films about journalists. I have a lot that I've not seen, like some iconic films um, that I really need to watch. At Salvador. At Salvador, too. Okay. We'll do. That's Oliver Stone, I believe. Um, and Corey, I assume same boat. You haven't seen it. Yes. So unless I've seen Mike's number one movie, I don't think I'm going to hit my number one. You cannot hit your number two. Ooh. Nope. I don't know if I can watch Salvador, man. James Woods right now is not sitting in a place where oh. I want to deal with oh, that. Okay. James Woods is, uh, in Salvador and he's, he's, I don't know if you've not been paying attention, but he's been kind of. Not great in He's the been in the public eye lately. Going off, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, he like had some rant recently-ish. Yeah, yeah. He's had a few, a few actually. Uh, it's every month or so. Um, it seems like he's tweeted something that offends a bunch of people. Um, and I'm trying to think of which actor it was. It just because he commented on a. I think the film had a. I can't remember the premise of the film, but it, it deals with like two gay, like a gay couple. I'm trying to remember who the actor is because the actor had a really good retort. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I think part of the, the the premise is that it's like a 17 year old and an adult male have a, yeah. a gay relationship, and Wood said something about the indecency of it or something like that, and in, in relation to it being a child, like a 17 year old. And James Woods is like notoriously married, like a, a woman who was only like 18 when he was like 46 or something like that. Gross. So whoever I can't think of who the actor is is driving me nuts. I know who this is. But um, he basically said that. So it's only okay when you marry a child or something like that. It was a pretty good comeback. Um, Yeah, it was pretty like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, I forgot about that. I can't think of who the actor is. It's driving me nuts. I feel like it's Army Hammer, actually. I'm pretty sure it's Army Hammer. Yeah, celebrities call James Wood on Twitter for Army Hammer. Yeah, there it is. Yep, Army Hammer had the good retort. So uh, there he is. He was in Social Network and now mentioning that. So Maybe that's why he got bumped down on the i hope not. james wood has a team <laughs> of people trying to make mm. us forget about it. they're just like lone ranger lone ranger all right Corey, what is your number two <laughs> i can't i'm just looking at these like i you know on google when you it like gives you the most search for things for james woods and it's pretty funny um my number two is I've been telling you to watch this movie, and I think I'm going to have to add it to Movie Club so that you'll actually do it. Oh. It's 2013s, and I know what you're going to say, but um, it's 12 Years a Slave, ah. directed by Steve McQueen, based on the book about Solomon North Northup's um, ordeal. Um, he was a free man who was um, abducted and uh, sold into slavery uh, once he takes a job uh accepts a job offer that ends up not being bad at all. Um, but it has Brad Pitt, um, Michael Fassbender plays quite the villain in this. Um, I'm blanking out on other names right now. Brad Pitt. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of the other. Um, well, there's, a, there, there's a draw for Burke right there, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Well, now, I'd like to point out, because the way Corey worded that, there's a bunch of reasons people <laughs> could interpret why I don't want to watch this movie. And that isn't, yeah, yeah it, it's not what you think. Well, I hope they don't think that about me. I, I am, uh, well, my, my ahead, thing, sorry. watching movies about slavery is hard for me, um, because of the mistreatment, uh, and I'm very much aware, like, I, I taught 
several units on civil rights and the slavery and the Civil War and the end of slavery, um, including reading Huckleberry Finn, which deals with that same idea. And it's it's a subject matter that I know a lot about. And so when I, I don't like to watch it um, because I know how bad it is. And so 12 Years a Slave, despite having a 96 on Metacritic, um, I know it's supposed to be an excellent film, but it's a subject matter that I know is going to be difficult for me to watch. However, my stance has changed slightly in the in the light of recent months and the uh, the realization that racism is not as gone as I had hoped it was. I have always known that it still exists, but I've hoped it was on a such a small scale that it's just you know chance encounters. But recent events have made that very very painfully obvious that it's still uh, ever present and. Um, so I, I have um, I would be willing to watch this despite again, is- I'm not racist. I, I still, um, you know, I, I'd be willing to especially it's critically acclaimed uh, and I'm aware and I, I still know I'm going to be getting angry, yelling at my TV, probably looking away and maybe changing my opinion to Michael Fassbender, which I don't like that idea because I like Michael Fassbender. So I hope it doesn't make I- me hate him. Uh, I feel like he does such a good job playing this character and i just but also it has sarah paulson in it who she plays his wife and she is equally well not as horrible but she's horrible um paul giamatti is who i was forgetting his name was like not coming to mind but i saw him in this and another movie and like really close together and he was a jerk in both and i just couldn't and then i saw saving mr banks and that kind of redeemed him a little bit but it's such a good movie. Mike, have you seen 12 Years a Slave? I have not. Guess we're well, going to have to start. I need to add to the, my watch list. Yeah, it's one that I, I should definitely give the chance. Um, all right. Let's move into my number one. And I mentioned earlier that my movies were relatively new. Uh, my number one is from this year. It's from just a few months ago, in fact. And it just came out on home video. And is this your number one? I don't know. Keep going. Okay. It stars an actor who um, is not only the actor, the lead actor, but also the writer of the story that is about his life. Kamel Nanjani um, wrote uh, The Big Sick with his wife, Emily V. Gordon. um, And it's about their uh, relationship. And I'm a sucker for rom-coms anyways. And um, I've been a Kamel Nanjani fan for, I, I guess, five years maybe um as silicon valley just ended season four and i've i was a fan of his before silicon valley so five years sounds right um i he has a podcast he used to have a podcast called the indoor kids with his wife about video games i listened to that it's on the nerdist network um he had a then podcast called the x files files where he would go episode by episode on the x files which made me watch the whole first season of the x files because i wanted to listen to his podcast and so i decided why not i've always wanted to watch the x files this is a good time and I made it through season one, and then Twin Peaks, uh, the announcement about the new Twin Peaks was coming out, so I jumped to Twin Peaks instead, because um, I thought it would happen faster than it did, which it took a long time for it to finally show up on TV. Um, but uh, I'm a huge fan of his, and also his wife, Emily, um, who, uh, she doesn't, she's not an actor, um, so she doesn't play herself in the movie, but the movie stars um, Kamel as himself, Zoe Kazan as Emily, Holly Hunter as Emily's mother, Beth, and Ray Romano as um, Emily's father, Terry. And um, it's directed by Michael Showalter. It's it's just, it's so fantastic. It's funny, it's endearing, it's heartwarming, and it's heartbreaking. Um, there, it's, 
it's such a great movie that when I and I almost forgot about it. Like not not forgot about the movie, but forgot that it was a true story because it, it's such a compelling story and it, it's based on a true story. There's things in the movie that are impossible. Like Kamel's a, a drives for Uber, but they met so long ago Uber wasn't a thing. Um, so you know that part's you know not accurate, but it's in the ballpark. Now he's a stand-up comedian in the movie. That is how his career started. He was a stand-up comedian first, who's now found his uh, place in in you know, TV and movies. Um, but uh, one of my favorite films from this year for sure, and um, the story is so so relevant in so many ways, uh, and it's so organic and and just uh, it's just great. It's just I don't even want to spoil it. It's such a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, if you didn't see it when it was in theaters, it is available to buy now, and I cannot recommend this movie enough. Just go buy it. It's my number one for uh, movies based on true stories. And no. I need to go out and buy it. I guess I can't share my number one on going out to go get it. Ah, well, Corey, is this <laughs> is this isn't on your list? No, I mine is also from this year, but it's oh. not out yet, so that's what threw me for a loop. Okay, but I too love this movie so much. It was one of the sometimes when I go to a movie and I watch it, I love it so much. I just want to go buy another ticket and go right back in and watch it again. But due to time restrictions, that wasn't able to happen. Yeah, but I loved it so much. Um. You, I just, you mean, they worked you mean you so well together. You didn't stay in the theater? You didn't stay in the theater and watch it? <laughs> just illegally, like, I couldn't. Hide. But, <laughs> right, just like, you guys clean the popcorn around me and just pretend I'm not here. Um, but I I thought the crowd at this movie was really weird. But it's hilarious. It's uh, it's just great. This is one of the movies that I actually I went out of my way to go see. I, like, I went to downtown Disney, um, which is oh, about dang. 40 minutes away, with, with our mutual friend, uh, Brendan. Uh, we went to see it, which is not a movie I normally reach out to a guy friend to go watch, but um, you know, it was it was playing in Orlando. It's a movie I knew he would be interested in seeing, and we, you know, we went. Uh, actually, I think I texted him that I was going to go see it, and he's like, "Dude, I'm going too." And we're like, "Oh, well, that's perfect. Let's we'll go together." Um, which ha- happens more often than you would think with Brendan, uh, but um, yeah, it's it's great, Mike. I I really want you to check this film out, dude. I would say not even rent it, just blind buy it. And- it's worth it. I'm making my friend watch it soon. I loved it so yeah. much. And I, I, I promise it's got an 86 on Metacritic. I don't know if I said that or not, but um, Rachel and will I, love it. Uh, I'm forgetting her name right now, and I'm trying to pull it up. But I love the girl that played Emily. Uh, Zoe, I love everyone. In there. I think it's Zoe Kazan. No, wait, wait. Sorry. Oh man, slide. Yeah, Zoe Kazan is her name. Okay. But uh, I thought you were gonna tell her that it was Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, sorry, Corey. <laughs> she was in disguise. But um, there's a there's a lot of Surprise. like scenes of stand up too. And Bo Burnham, who is a stand up comedian, is one of his friends in the film and in real life. But uh, his role's really great. And I think um, who is the the host of the stand up show is pretty funny. I'm trying to remember who does that. Um, Bo Burnham is is one of their good friends. Uh, Kurt Braunholer is one of their friends. Who's he's his roommate too, and is really funny in the movie. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing who. I thought it was. It's David Allen Greer. I think is the host of uh, the the stand up show, which is he hadn't I hadn't seen him in a long time, so it was exciting to see him uh, working again. But um, all right, that's my number one. Let's go to Mike's. All right, so here is my last minute switch up, and I get a feeling that I may have talked about it before. And if I have, I just, it, it's not an easy watch. Okay. 
It's um, Larry Clark, and he's really notorious for controversy in just about anything he's made. Kids, obviously. Um, Ken Park, which never found American distribution for many reasons. Um, but either of them feel and have this feeling that could be, you know, they could be based on a true story. But neither were. 2001's Bully, however, ah. was indeed based on a very true story, and there were obviously some stretches made with some of the details as well as the backgrounds of some of the characters. Um, the change of time frame it originally occurred in 93, but to avoid anachronisms, they jumped it into being set in 2001. The main antagonist, I, Nick Stahl, plays him. And the character, Bobby Kent, was actually Iranian, and that's an Anglo-Americanized version of the last name. And I don't know why they didn't do it that way, but, you know, Larry Clark does what he does. The uh, It's adapted from a book, which I did pick up and read. I think I checked it out from the library. I didn't buy it. Uh, called Bully, uh, True Story of High School Revenge. The late Brad Renfro plays one of the leads, which is uh, Nick Stahl's best friend, but the way they treat each other or the way the one treats another is just... I don't even know. Um, the uh, the cast is rounded out by Bijou Phillips, Rachel Miner, who was once married to Macaulay Culkin, Michael Pitt, Leo Fitzpatrick, who was also a star in Kids. Um, it it generally gives you that feeling of hopelessness that some of those teens, especially in this in this film, go through day by day. It's dark. It's difficult to watch. It, it isn't very hopeful. Uh, it's I would suggest making it a doubles feature with something very light uh, it's these scores on it are probably the lowest of my, any of my picks um because i, I your pain and gain share I, I mean here we are this one's set in florida it's ah. from uh, fort lauderdale it's a little north from where i live or grew up most of my teen years and happened while i was a junior in college and i I didn't even hit my radar until the film came out. Uh, 7.0 IMDb rating, 45 Metascore, 50%, 54% rotten on the Tomatometer. And it actually got a better audience score, 69%, almost 70% people that liked it. So there we are, Bully. Nice. Um, I've not seen it. I did see Kids, and I'm actually familiar with uh, Clark as doing my research for my class. I came across him as an auteur. Um, director last year, and I'm looking at the cast from Kids, and I was surprised to see Chloe Sevigny in that. Um, mm -hmm. That was one of her debuts. Yeah, and then Rosario uh, Dawson. Rosario Dawson, yeah. who I knew, uh, she I remember. And then um, mm -hmm. Justin Pierce, who played Casper, who I remember the character very well from that movie. Um, he's, he's dead. Really? I did. Yeah, not, he died a while back. I did not yeah. know that, but he was in Next Friday. Uh, the Friday sequel, oh, and I never put that together until just now when I like looked at his picture. I'm like, hey, All he looks right. familiar. And like, sure enough, it's it's Roach. Um, he's pretty much the uh, the white friend in uh, to um, Day Day's character, you know, Mike Epps's character. Um, from that, I'm I'm far too familiar well, with the, the Friday. Wrong actor. I, I gotta, I'm not sure because that was next that. Friday was a while ago. So I mean, it's definitely possible um, that he's it's not that does not stop him from being dead already. But uh, Bully's one I've heard a lot about, um, especially because there's a documentary that came out I think two years ago by the same name, Bully. And so, it, like, it's easy to get them mixed up um, when searching for them, as there's no mm -hmm. nothing differentiates other than the year and obviously the subject matter. Yeah, it's related. Obviously, the bully documentaries about it, but it's it's a 
a subject that is, and I'm sure both being a parent and also being a teacher, bullying is something that we're very familiar with. And it's something that um, I'm sure enrages you as much as it often enrages me that people can treat people like that. So, um, and even being nerds, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been probably in some degree or another, a victim of bullying in some, some way or another, just because of our interests uh, often get kind of picked on i lucked out i lucked out i've been this height that i am at ah. since sixth grade oh wow i've never been small um so i'm not i i think i just lucked out or i just didn't care what they said ah yeah and I, I would say like i didn't let it necessarily beat me or anything but i definitely um i have some very specific moments of torment by some individuals throughout my life but um overall positive but bullying and now i still, torment you in a different way you do with your nonsense no but again i didn't see it so oh, oh, man. i got nothing uh cory and i both struck out with all five unless cory saw bully i did not ah, which i thought there was a chance because of uh michael pitt yeah i didn't realize and, he was in that and this is also fairly short uh 148 all uh, the movies i watch are not short guys <laughs> we i noticed I'm just saying like my stature what? It's a Corey-approved uh, running time. <laughs> right? Two hours or less. That's all you get. Kidding. All right. Well, with that, let's. I want to hear what movie Corey has for her number one because I'm. if it came out this year, I have to have seen it, and I cannot think of what it you is. You have. Oh, it's driving Dang me it. nuts. John, come on. It is. I can't believe that you can't guess it. I'm so tired. Anyways, Dunkirk. Dun, dun, oh, duh. duh. My God. <laughs> Directed by Christopher Nolan. I wanted to see this one again in theaters, but um, yeah, I feel like everyone knows. But it has my boy Killian in it. Uh, it has Mark Rylance, Tom Hardy, Harry Styles. I would like to see that kid in some more movies, even though he plays a jerk. Um, he was the jerk kid, right? Um, I don't remember who he was in the movie at this point. Because as part of the film, all of the soldiers are supposed to look kind of um, the same. Like, it, it, none of them stood out necessarily more than the rest, um, that they're all important. But I think he was one of the uh, – I feel like he's one of the ones who put, turns turns on the other guys when things get real tough. Yep. Um, Harry, Harry Styles, you was a jerk. Oh, hi, <laughs> oh, hi Harry. I'm never going to get over that Christopher Nolan didn't know who he was, that he was already famous. Um, it shows the evacuation of the Allied soldiers from Belgium, a part of that war that I was not aware of before really uh, before watching that movie. Hmm. Yeah, I still need to watch it. It's uh, I. It's amazing. It is. I I felt like I went through what the guys went through in the movie. Oh, and. Yes, and the soundtrack is amazing, and by soundtrack, I mean the ticking of the clock, or whatever, the ticking that is, like, throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I was on the edge of my seat, like, stressed out. And she means the score. Anxious. Um, yeah, the score. Sorry, guys. Just, you know, make sure we get the right terminology. Um, it is, uh, it's an intense movie, and that's, I think, part of why I, I, I as much as I loved it, I think I blocked it out because it, I felt like I survived a war. Like, it, it was exhausting in the best way imaginable um and it is a really compelling story and i god i didn't even think about that as a true story until you said it so 
silly me for not remembering. And I knew, I knew it was based on a true story, but it didn't, it didn't pop in my brain. Um, but yeah, that's definitely another great true story from this year. So maybe American Made will be a great true story from this year, or maybe not. We'll find out soon. Um, yeah, let's go to our honorable mentions. I have several that I want to uh, name drop. Um, Lion from 2016. Um, uh, Hidden Figures from last year as well. Actually, I guess technically early this year. Uh, a League of Their Own um, is based on a true story, and I, I love that movie, but I've talked about it a couple times, so I didn't put it on my top five. Um, Julia and Julia, which um, is Amy Adams and Meryl Streep, and uh, Ju- Meryl Streep playing Julia Childs. And the reason I mentioned this on my honorable mentions is um, it kind of was part of the inspiration for the Burke Reviews website. Um, the idea that she decided to work her way through all of Julia Stiles' uh, recipes and blog about it. Um, I decided to watch 366 movies and blog about it. And so um, I mentioned in my initial like premise of what I was doing, I mentioned Julia and Julia. Um, as the person who did it in real life, wrote a book about it, and then that was turned into a movie and so on and so forth. Um, um, I have uh, one that I think, Mike, you'll have on yours, Moneyball. Um, nope. Oh, really? Because you have that. And then uh, two. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's why I thought you'd mention it. Um, and then two last ones, Hacksaw Ridge, also from uh, last year, um, which was a story, a very small story of World War II that I had never heard, and it was so compelling. And then um, Eddie the Eagle, which is a kind of, it's the <laughs> uh, sister film or brother film, if you would, from uh, Cool Runnings, because those happened in the same Olympic Games. Um, uh, in oh, fact, cool. in Eddie the Eagle, there's even a, a mention of this Jamaican bobsled team in the in the works. Um, so I thought that was a cool kind of accidental crossover. But uh, with Taron Edgerton in my brain because of watching uh, Kingsman, Eddie the Eagle was was right there in the forefront. And I, while uh, Hugh Jackman's character is fictionalized, I think he's an amalgamation of like two coaches or something like that. If I remember reading correctly, um, it was a it was a really well, really well made film that I don't think enough people saw. So, uh, Mike, what do you I'm- got? I've debated watching Eddie the Eagle, so I might have to put it on my list. Um, so I'm going to lead off my honorable mentions with the one I dropped. Um, I really, I had, this was my first one I put on my list, Heat. Um, Michael Mann's Heat. I still have not seen Heat. And, I'm such a slacker um, at that movie. I, so it's, I, I I had it, and then I'm like, ooh, i got to go with Flirt. And <laughs> went with my number one choice. Uh, mask, which we just talked about. Now, don't confuse this with Jim Carrey's The Mask. This is Eric Stoltz and Cher, who we just talked about. And, uh, oh, I just, man, I just dropped his name. His, uh, uh, he was in Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Oh, the actor's name. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's going to bug me. And I'm, I'm not at a spot where I can look it up. That's okay. Uh, he, he's really good. Uh, er, Matt, just based on a true story. Goodfellas. I had Schindler's List. Yep. yep. The, uh, those are two of the more obvious ones, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And so that's and, why I kind of didn't include them. Yep. Um, the Untouchables, even though it was a very campy version of it. Uh, Casino. And lastly, Zodiac, which when you mentioned uh, yeah. Social Network, I'm like, man, I really want to put this one in. Corey will never watch it. It's... <laughs> It's like three hours long. My my wife won't watch it because uh, she has kind of an irrational fear of the Zodiac Killer, um, which no matter what... He's West Coast, though. He's West I Coast. I know. Dude, There's trust me. I've tried every explanation because I love that movie. I went... Actually, 
I got really into like the true crime genre when that movie was about to come out. And I bought the book that the movie was based on. I read the book, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I actually own three other movies called Zodiac Killer or Zodiac that are I've not even watched yet, but I got them because I was so intrigued by the story that I wanted to see other people's interpretations. But I then once I once they arrived, they just looked really bad. So I was like, eh, maybe I'll just not watch these. Um, but I still have them. Um, but yeah, I, I've been meaning to rewatch this one because Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic. Uh, I had forgotten Mark Ruffalo was in it um, until I saw it on IMDb, and then Ro- Robert Downey Jr. kind of has his pre-Iron Man comeback performance in this movie, where he's you know um, playing the uh, the alcoholic reporter, but is great in the film. Um, I I I loved it when I saw it, and it's I didn't even realize again. It's Fincher does that to me a lot, where I go in to see his movies, love them, and didn't realize it was a Fincher film until after the fact. Um, and that's that's another one. And I, I recently uh, bought it though, because I I really do want to rewatch it. So Sam Elliott is who I was thinking of for Mask. Ah, yeah, same man. His new movie Hero just came out, and I want to rent that because Nick Offerman is in it as well. Um, oh. and it's supposed to be really, really good. I think he is in. A, I think Sam Elliott's character is in a relationship with a younger actress who is the uh, Donna from that '70s show, whose name I cannot remember. If I if I'm remembering Laura correctly, Prepon. yes, Laura correct. Um, and Corey, what do you got for your honorable mentions? Corey, is your mic muted, Corey? Yes. Okay. There you Sorry, go. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, I've had the yawns tonight, so, um, Aaron, I couldn't leave Aaron Brockovich off of this, mm. um, Hotel Rwanda, Alpha Dog, and Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures is based on a true story? Yes. So. Yeah, that's 13, 14 year old girls in New Zealand. Oh, has, see, I think I confused it. Was there a movie called Beautiful Creatures? That's like yeah, about so witches? Probably. That's, I think I'm confusing what they are. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> Heavenly Creatures has Kate Winslet and uh, Melanie Linsky oh. in it, oh. and they gang up together and murder one of their moms because oh they're goodness. trying to keep them from not being friends anymore. And I, I don't even think that they got stiff punishment, is but it's an, just nuts. Is it an older movie or a, like is it young uh, Kate Winslet? Yeah, it's, yeah, yes, yeah. Young, I was like probably fourteen or fifteen. I am. I'm so very intrigued. Very I've, young Corey. I've become yes. very a, a big fan of Kate Winslet over the years. Um, kind of late to the party, mind you. A lot of people were big fans 94. of her before, but uh, oh wow, yeah, very young. Um, because I think my introduction to her was Titanic, which I have a exaggerated dislike of that movie. Um, for so many dumb reasons, and like I don't really dislike Titanic as much as I just think it's. I don't think it should be in the number one money making movies of all time talk, and it, it is, and that bugs me. Um, even though money doesn't necessarily translate to um, greatness or whatever, but it does. It does show what people like, and I, I want people to like movies with better writing, and that's my issue with that. But I, I think she was lumped into this kind of area where I didn't like it. I didn't like her because of her connection to Titanic, and I don't remember exactly when, but a few years back. Um, I started watching movies with her that I hadn't seen, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is now in my top 50, I think. Um, and I love her in that movie so much. And she's great in Steve Jobs. So I, and, uh, I watched, I think 2015's The Dressmaker, which is a really interesting film and it's on Amazon Prime and I totally recommend it. It's very, very weird, but great. Ah, I added that Um, to my watch list. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. The Dressmaker. The Dressmaker. Oh yeah. 
Um, and so I want to I want to check this one out. Heavenly creatures. Um, all right. Well, that is our list for the week. Uh, we'd love to hear your top five movies based on true stories, and there's so many to pull from in this one. We I expect a variety. If you'll email us at contact at burkreviews.com, contact at burkreviews.com, or tweet at us at burkreviews for myself, Corey. At Corey Rstar, two R's on the end. And Mike. At Server Monkey. And we'll be back next week with another top five list. Um, Corey and I are watching, uh, we're starting our month of horror movies for Burke Reviews Movie Club. And we're starting off with Suspiria, uh, the Dario Argento film, um, which is currently available to stream on Amazon Prime. And we'll, uh, that episode will be out um, on Friday. So, or well, technically it'll be out on Sunday. We're recording it on Friday. Uh, so you can email us about that as well. And Mike, uh, you got to start. We're going to need to talk and figure out when we're going to do Hudson Hawk uh, for me winning decisively the summer movie <laughs> wager. So I, I've already got I had already pushed that out of my mind. I already bought it on DVD, guys. It's it's in my house ready for you to watch. So um, I live so far away. I can't just come to your house and oh, watch it. I have arrangements for you, Corey. Don't worry. But perfect. Um, okay. Mike, because I am going to rewatch it, too, uh, and hope that I still love it so that I really pays off making you guys watch it but um we do need to figure that out that'll be sometime in november hopefully it may be around thanksgiving break um so it'll be easier for you to record mike and we can record whatever day works for you i think Corey and i okay. have a little more flexibility friday works okay cool friday works um well we do late Perfect friday night. so i don't know if you're up for the uh because we, we record at like 10 <laughs> 30 on friday that might <laughs> work really well because i might fall i mean uh, no that's <laughs> it we, we don't watch the movie will be like this is how I felt about the movie. <laughs> I'm kidding. Reviewed. Um, no, I, I hope you love it. It's it's Bruce Willis. It's fun. Um, and I don't, when does uh, oh Death Wish come out? Because that would be a good timing to check out Hudson Hawk right before Death Wish comes out. Um, the new Eli Roth remake of the canon film with Bruce Willis in the lead. Really? Oh, have you not seen what? this? What? Guys. No. Oh, where have you been? The remake of Death Wish. Eli Roth directing and Bruce Willis in the lead. Oh, you must check out the trailer, Mike, uh, for sure. As a big Eli Roth fan, um, you need to check it out. Uh, there's some controversy, that's of course. That's why he dropped out of Meg then. It might be. It might be why. Um, there's some controversy uh, because the premise of Death Wish already is kind of messed up. And in the, uh, the very heated culture that we're currently in, there's some debate of whether this movie should be coming out when it's coming out. But uh, the trailer, it, it's compelling. And... I, I've heard some mixed reviews about Bruce Willis's performance, uh, not of the in the full film, but just in the trailer. I think it looks like he's having fun again, and I I want that Bruce Willis back. So if this and given that we uh, Hollywood Babylon listeners know that Bruce Willis reached out to Kevin Smith recently, um, and uh, if you know anything about that history, they they very very heated and angry uh, fan, uh, past between the two of them. And so Bruce Willis reaching out to him and then this movie where there's moments where it looks like he's maybe trying to enjoy acting again. Maybe there's hope that the uh, the guy who's been making bad movie after bad movie, uh, predominantly straight to DVD movies over the course of the time, maybe he's getting back into the passion of it, especially with um, the pending unbreakable sequel, uh, Mr. Glass or whatever they're calling it, um, coming out. I, I don't want the uh, unhappy Bruce Willis... Um, granted, he is kind of plays that uh, character in in Unbreakable, but I, I want him to be enjoying the process of making the film. So, um, check that out, Mike. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, otherwise, guys, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please share us on all your social medias. 
let people know that we exist and help us get some new listeners. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll be back. Sweet. All right. Thank you. Peace.